Welcome to the Faces podcast. We're a Christian and Muslim charity working to build resilience in faith communities against child sexual exploitation and other forms of harm. We'll be talking about what faith and interfaith work means to us and how we embed an inclusive and authentic approach throughout our work. Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, my name is Nigel Taylor. I'm one of the staff uh, here at Faces. Uh, with me, I have Melissa who is also a staff member at Faces, and Peter, who's one of the founders of Faces um, and also works for Peace and Reconciliation. Um, so thank you both for joining with us, and we'll have a conversation um, about a current news article, um, which is doing the rounds um, recently uh, in a number of papers and also sort of hitting the the. TV programs today. Um, there was a, an article on Andrew Tate, who is a, arrested in in Romania um, on sex trafficking charges by Re- Romanian authorities um, in his vast mansion. There, um, he's a very wealthy guy, very famous on Twitter, very famous uh, in in various circles on on social media, and. Um, very famous for his views, uh, which are people accuse him of being very misogynistic in his viewpoints, uh, in his view of females as very uh, objectified views, uh, a strong industry of porn that he's been involved in a number of areas like that and strong viewpoints. Um, he also, um, has spent time in the UK. Um, and he's, uh, although he was born in America and as a result of that, he's, he's lived locally. And as a result of that, we felt actually it's good to discuss this because behind these stories, there's um, issues of exploitation. There's some of the language that has been used um, and, and some of the news articles that we've read um, have told us um, that his viewpoints are, you know, very similar uh, to grooming methods. Um, there was one tweet he mentioned um, where the approach was the lover boy method of of reaching women and getting them involved in porn and those kind of things, which are horrendous things to be said. Um, it, the, he did take those tweets down um, and um, but was banned from Twitter for a while, recently has been re- reinstated by uh, uh, Elon Musk. Um, and so all of these things are very current, very real, very there. Um, but his recent arrest and many of his key um, people in his group have been arrested and imprisoned for a further 30 days, I understand, uh, by Romanian authorities. Um, I, I also know there's been some history with the far right as well, um, linked to um, some of the things Andrew Tate has said and been involved in. And so I think it's a good thing for us to discuss and bring in the open, but we also need to recognize that this is an emerging story. Uh, we're not saying these things have been proved or demonstrated. All we've got are language of things being said online um, and the, the fact that these things are being reported in our press. Um, and so that that's where we're coming from. I'm sure this story will play out some more in the next few months. But as faces, it's good for us to look at issues of exploitation. It's good for us from a faith 
um, stance to look at um, issues concerning the viewpoint of men and women and and how people are viewed and how people are cared for and um, and also how young people are protected and this is an area where Andrew Tate is particularly well known for having a strong uh, following with young people so I don't know if either of you would like to dive in um, and bring any comments Thanks, Nigel. Um, yeah, I, I suppose I wanted to say first, I'm one of those people who up until very recently didn't know who Andrew Tate was. Um, I'd heard sort of and seen a few things about, about him, but not really followed or seen any kind of deeper side to these stories that are now coming out um, more recently. And I suppose that kind of really reflects what we see when we look at the comments that he's made. Um, whether they are kind of talking about Christianity, talking about Islam, talking about women, um, they kind of are the, the tip of the iceberg um, to what may be a, a much more expansive and contextual understanding of whether it's a religious position um, and his own position and how that kind of affects the rest of his life and the people he engages with. Um, and one of the things I think is really important that we we highlight here, I know we want to kind of cover a few areas but is the risk to young people um in this because of social media um, and that's such a much bigger kind of conversation um about how we regulate social media how uh, children can be safeguarded from content that can be um really damaging and harmful to 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 them as they develop their own ideas about the world um, so hopefully we'll sort of be able to come back around on that in a little while as well thanks melissa yeah, I mean, I have known about Tate for a long time. Uh, you know, my involvement in working to challenge the the right, place of the far right here in Luton over the years. He's been part of the of the background environment. He's been a friend for many years of uh, Stephen Lennon, Tommy Robinson, the uh, founder of the EDL, which began here in Luton. He was never very much involved in it. I think he was a few years older than Lennon, as I understand it. Those years were at the centre of his kickboxing and martial arts uh, career. But he, I suppose he's always been part of the part of the the environment, I suppose. he. But the last few years, he's been absent in Romania, so he's been off the scene. Um, it's interesting that, as I say, his friend Tommy Robinson has come back in in his defence recently. I don't know how that affects, you know, issues like his his uh, supposed uh, alleged uh, conversion to Islam. Um, he's Tate is a very complex character and and an evolving character, very much as many influencers um, in social media. He's somebody who's who's Whose, whose personality, whose character evolves with the years. Um, it, it's not a static thing. He, he really is a, he's an evolving personality and somebody who, who knows what he will be next. And that's not to dismiss mm -hmm. the importance of, of faith. It's to say that some people like that can use faith or abuse faith in, in their, in their thinking. So he, he's of interest to us as, as Melissa says, in terms of safeguarding of young people and the impact he has on them, he's of interest to us because of the um, his of his support of those who in the past would have been 
very anti the faith that he's now supposed to have embraced. Who knows where he stands in relation to that? He's a complex individual. Yeah. It's also fair to say he's a very intelligent individual. His father was a grandmaster at chess, and apparently he was playing chess very, very well at age mm. five. Um, you know, <laughs> we can't dismiss him. We have to listen to him, and we have to challenge and engage seriously with the things he represents. Yeah, thank, thanks, Peter. And I think one of the challenges is um, society wants to just shut out noises it doesn't agree with. And that's how he's playing things. Because society shuts some of these things out, he's then trying to speak to the disaffected people and trying to claim a voice into that arena, which he then uses to put across his own viewpoints, which he he doesn't describe himself as misogynistic. He describes himself as traditional. He, he describes some of those things in some of the interviews I've read. Um, but some of the things he has said that he's later um, taken down off social media. And I've got one here from the times um, from the the 6th of January. Um, And it just says uh, describing his work in a now deleted post Tate said, my job was to meet a girl, go on a few dates, sleep with her, test if she's quality, get her to fall in love with me to where she'd do anything I say, and then get her on a webcam. So we would become rich together. And those are statements that are classic grooming. That is how the lover boy method of exploitation works. Um, I can understand taking that down, (laughs) especially with allegations that have been made in Romania. But some of those kind of statements are very alarming. And the disaffected people he's playing into the impressionable young people that he's he's bringing some of these um very strong comments and approaches and and treating them like they're okay i i've got big issues with as as a church leader because i've got to say you know that is an objectifying um view of people it just uses them like objects um it's it there's no love in that there's no care in that it's just using people and where we dehumanize people all kinds of abuses take place and and i think for a very rich very powerful guy who uses his riches and power to purport some of these things i think that there is some massive damage and there is a need to step into some of these and take on some of the intellectual arguments and take on some of the discussion and actually speak into that and challenge that uh, uh, melissa i think it's just important to for me as a muslim to put on record as well um you know that take uh, converting to Islam, Alhamdulillah, we are we're happy that he he's become Muslim, regardless of all of the, um, the the you know the the other stories around it. Um, but it's important to, and I think you you as as people of faith as well, we we know that faith is good for people, and um, you know being uh, a person of faith should be something that changes a person's character and that strengthens a person's good traits that helps them uh you know fix and remove any kind of bad behaviors and and, and traits that they have and um, and we hope that 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 take finding islam um means that a lot of those changes can happen um 
why it's important, as you said, that we talk about this because of the uh, involvement of of Islam and religion within kind of all of this misogynistic and and abusive uh, stories that are happening, is that there needs to be a clarity on what Islam is and what Islam isn't, um, because it's very easy, as I kind of was was starting to talk about when I spoke earlier, it's very easy to put out the tip of the iceberg, um, a statement that that can be interpreted in many different ways. Um, and it can't be understood unless you have a much broader context and understanding and education around around those certain things. Um, and that's what's really dangerous um, for us as Muslims, you know, putting out these messages that are appealing to Muslims, appealing to young boys, um, that give a a really wrong and construed version of gender relationships and gender roles and things like that. Um, as you just kind of indicated, Nigel, that kind of uh, debate needs to happen. That challenge needs to happen to to put the record straight on things. Yeah, I think that's right, and I appreciate your words there, Melissa. Um, he previously claimed a Christian identity. I mean, he's there are several places in the, the media where he's he's claimed he he comes from a Christian background. He always seemed to do that very much from an identity perspective rather than genuine faith perspective, um, I have to say. Um, but you're not there to judge a person. He, he certainly has gained a lot of um, goodwill in Romania. He... Um, but even before he went to Romania, he was a member of the Romanian Orthodox Church um, and apparently has been giving, you know, tens of thousands of, of dollars a month to to the Romanian Orthodox Church, whether that's stopped now or <laughs> who knows. Um, but I, I think with your faith and, and, and our own, um, you know, you it's one thing to claim a faith, it's another to live by the principles of a faith and and. And certainly, we 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 tend to talk in in our working faces and the the involvement we have in challenging exploitation and abuse and so on about the impact of the way we live our lives and the things we do, um, rather than just claiming a name. Um, so that is a discussion that that could continue when we certainly when we have more information and understanding. Um, but it's certainly not. Not to preach, not to, uh, not not the main focus here. I think is it? No, I think. Um, yeah, I think that you know the main focus is you know that we want to bring from faces is we want to challenge exploitation. We want to to protect people from that. Um, we want to you know make the main thing about something different to what's being said uh by by andrew uh, purported to being said by andrew tate um i I, th I think there's there's something here about the value of human beings and all of that that needs to come across very very strong um and and i think this emerging story has a lot of elements to it and and maybe we'll need some more podcasts on identity of males and females maybe we need some of those kind of things speaking into this arena um but i think the the disempowered um men mainly that andrew tate seems to be trying to appeal to is an interesting uh, arena to appeal to. 
he's kind of uh, coming across with viewpoints that are saying, you know, some very strong things. This is how a man should be, you know, get some exercise. Come on, do something, feel something about yourself and, and domineer. <laughs> you know, there, there seems to be that element. He runs a university, uh, or, you know, uh, from quote his, <laughs> yeah, for quote, end quote, uh, from his home in, in Romania. Um, and, and actually, you know, they, 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 the neighbors have uh, in this article from the times are saying um, that, you know, he bought this in 2016. Um, the university is Tate's home. A gymnasium is a center for an online sex empire. It's registered as a shooting range, allowing God, uh, the guards to bear arms. Um, neighbors say eight to 10 women at a time were presenting shows from the building shift working around the clock. Uh, these are all purported to be things that are going on from this place in Romania that he's been arrested. Um, but all of this, you know, there, there's people arriving taxi loads of of people coming to that university as it's called uh to learn about being male (laughs) to learn about some of these things it's almost an education facility um to to educate down a particular track people are paying uh i understand 39 uh dollars a month to be on an online training course um podcasts there's five minute podcasts all over the place it's just a machine churning out material um and and if there's no if people are just offended by it and trying to shut down the airplay of those things there's a need to answer some of those things but the quantity of things that need answering are huge yeah i mean it's we we talk about toxic masculinity this is just it's way, way, it's toxicity on steroids. Um, it, he is very much a key figure in the the concept of the manosphere, which is the, the idea that of men recovering their masculinity, recovering their their place in society, feeling they have been dis, dishonoured, disinherited from their rightful position. And he speaks very much to those who who have felt marginalized um and but the toxicity the 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 degree to which he embraces evil in so many dimensions this is frankly and I, I don't use the word evil evil loosely in so many dimensions is frankly horrifying mm-hmm. um and to do that in a way that basically seems to be a a money lord, a money man, man, machine is is horrible. Yeah, and and the method. Yes, yeah, so go on, Melissa. Yeah, just to to say, I think you raise a really good point, though, Nigel. Um, you know, when we look at violent extremism, or we look at sort of far right extremism, racist, xenophobic extremism, um, and in the same sense of what we're talking about now. We, who is the audience there? Who are the people that are vulnerable to being influenced by this kind of ideology um, that will then lead to certain behaviours um, that harm other people? In this case, you know, women um, in, in violent or sexually violent ways, potentially. Um, we do need to answer those difficult questions, as yeah. you've sort of alluded to, is, is that actually how does someone become vulnerable to hearing these things and thinking that it's right, thinking that it's okay, thinking that it's something to aspire to be. Where are they being disconnected from in society um, that's leading them to 
to need that kind of comfort for lack of a better word you know that kind of reassurance that sort of um feeling of being heard um and we know there you know there's so many such a broad uh level of conversation around gender around gender roles um and around sexuality and relationships and and kind of what's okay and what's not and all of that kind of thing or rather what's acceptable today in society and what's not um and all of that i suppose just creates a a real uh, a real level of um risk and vulnerability especially for young boys um in knowing what's right and wrong because there are so many different views um that are uh, you know and, and so many views that are presented as the only way to think or the way to be um so actually trying to manage all of that as someone without perhaps a a, a, a real solid um a solid understanding of, of what their own beliefs are their own thoughts are or a solid influence from wherever our parents school wherever we, we might talk about um you know we have to we have to address that we can't just address the risk in in who who exploits that vulnerability we have to address what is creating that vulnerability in the first place yeah, yeah i think that's that's very wise yeah uh, peter Yeah, I'm just thinking where to go really with that. Um, it, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try, shall I chip? In? I'll chip in, and you you can uh, challenge or go with it or whatever. But but I I, th- I think in in some ways it's easy to say what something is not, but it's sometimes more difficult to say what something is. Yeah. And I think maybe for us as faces, there's a need to do more speaking about what should be or what is or good things on the way through that give people a narrative, give people a pathway to follow. And I, I think for you know, looking at this some years ago um, here, here in central Bedfordshire, there was some looking at what to do about licensing of, of sex clubs and the like. Um, and I remember one of the moms saying to me, my boys and my boy at school in sixth form and his friends, all they talk about is a sex club. I never hear them talking about the girls in their class. And that was a sad thing. She was saying there's something distorted there regarding their vision of what should be. Um, There's no desire for family. There's no, at that age, it's just all sex mad. And actually, that stays with me the memory of what that mom said and actually when you look at some of this there is a sex mad society that 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 is driving some of this but also tied to it is this power element he's trying to appeal to disempowered people and say this is a way to become empowered and i think that to me is one of the issues we need to speak more about what sex should be we should speak more about what life may be about um that that's a bit strong uh, stronger that helps people who feel disaffected that helps people who feel down find a better path than the one that's been suggested here and i wonder if that's some of the focus that we need to learn from this and bring forward yeah and that's so important not only for potential um 
young boys who are being influenced by the, the kinds of things we're talking about, but also the girls and women who are involved in this story. Um, and perhaps we should have really mentioned this much earlier on, but the alleged victims that are um, involved in the um, the case and potentially many more who, who are not kind of named or have not spoken up, I think it's really important to recognise just how difficult speaking up um, will be in this kind of situation. And this obviously reflects so many other um, experiences of abuse, so many other situations, but particularly when uh, you're, the alleged abuser is someone who is uh, famous for, for all intents and purposes, who is so well known and has such a large influence and is also really, really outspoken in ways that are only going to make you seem as you are uh, if we look at some of his quotes, you know, bear some responsibility for that abuse um, or, or should be controlled. Um, so actually that's such a, a huge thing for people to be able to to really stand up and, and say, you know, this happened to me and this is wrong. Um, and that's the only real way that other people can be, well, that's, a, that, that's one of the real ways that other people can be protected and, and safeguarded from this. Yeah, I, I think your point, you bring us back to that is really important, Melissa, because... I mean, he, I mentioned earlier, you know, he he exists for many in a social media environment, in a in a, an environment he creates himself. Who knows what he thinks? Who knows how much of what he does is genuinely, what he says is genuinely what he thinks or how much he does to make money, to shock, to whatever. But actually what we can judge him by is the things he does. And what you've drawn our attention to there are things that he's actually doing or, or potentially being, uh, it, it being investigated for that what are they, if they are to be true, and we need to allow the judicial system the place to discover that. But if they are true, then this is somebody who, who, who's, evil acts need to be spoken of in those direct terms no matter how he how much he projects himself in social media in the social space because that he there's a very clear difference between the person he he projects himself to be online and the person who is disrupting and destroying many lives yeah, and and I think it's not just what he he does and what he um, he, he he teaches. It's it's what that does for others following that as well, and so there's a multiplication of something, and I think that is is dangerous. I think very often with these things, uh, it's very often when the legal system or the court system begins to get to a point where someone looks like they're going down for something that the victims have the confidence, the survivors have the confidence to begin bringing their stories out. And I'm pretty sure with this, we're watching a running story. Um, we're not sure of the conclusions. We're not sure of the end of that story, but we can look at the story and realize there are some key aspects here that do need challenging uh, on the way through and 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 need discussing and need bringing to light and you know that's before you know, the, the legal stuff but that's before the real stuff if it's there comes out um and i think what you said there peter about not really knowing who he really is because he's presenting himself as many different um parts 
is very true for the influencers and that's very difficult to nail down um and and so you can end up with uh, people having a piece of something and running with it and missing the whole picture and i think that's part of the issue with this which she's very good at he's very good at the social media and very good at, at presenting himself um so i don't know if you've got any final comments but we um yeah well, uh, just a couple of final comments. Um, one of the things that you see um, being said uh, among Muslims particularly, or people commenting on his Islam um, around these stories, is that when someone accepts Islam, all of their previous sins are forgiven, and they're like a clean slate. And that's a 100% true tradition and in, in, in belief uh, as a Muslim. Um, but that doesn't speak to, A, anything that happens beyond that. Um, you know, although we don't, uh, expect people to be able to flip a switch overnight. That's clearly not how entering a religion works, but it, it does mean that you are completely accountable for any further harm you do to other people, any further sins that you commit, um, any laws that you break um, going forward. And also that B, uh, in Islam, you know, seeing justice for people uh, and justice where there is injustice um, and people being rightly um held accountable for that is also a strong part um of our belief yeah. and part of how that uh, you know if you if you hurt someone part of um finding forgiveness from allah for that from for that is first finding forgiveness from the people that you've harmed um and then uh, through that being able to seek forgiveness for your sins from god um so hopefully tate does have some good muslims around him who can teach him um you know the ways that he can uh, change his life, or for lack of a better of a better words, considering what we do know, um, and that the the uh, alleged crimes that are being um, put against him, hopefully that justice comes from that um, in a swift way, um, and that any victims who do become apparent that are involved in that uh, receive the sort of um, receive what they support, what they need and deserve. Um, throughout that and absolutely and certainly i think it's fair to say also that i mean just to be clear here forgiveness is one thing being brought to justice under the law for things you've done is another yes so definitely yeah yes of course of both no. both important yeah and and i think that's something that you know we we encounter so much in the in the wider work and we talk about in faces you know you where abuse has happened in our faith environments is often it's often the case that people uh seek to uh allow people grace and mercy and forgiveness far too quickly before a life has been turned around and before justice has been done and that we always have to balance those things and this is a very different case a very different context but andrew tate sits under the same uh, God of mercy and of justice, which I know you believe in as much as I do. Yeah. No. Thank you yeah. for adding that, Peter. Very no, that's important. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a bigger picture that we have to Definitely. remember all the time. Yeah. But forgiveness, one thing, justice, another, and we stand for both. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that's the, you know, just looking at the wider work of what we do as faces. That is one of the key things we bring into the picture in terms of talking about sexual exploitation and abuse 
when it takes place in any context is that we believe people can turn around and change, but we also believe there is a need for justice within the systems of our land. Mm. And and those two things are very important to our faiths. And and we I do not want the Muslim faith to be spoken of any 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 more badly than my own faith in that in that regard. And I think that's how we regard each other. So yeah. that's why it's so important, so good to be able to speak about something that is potentially contentious like this when you bring faith into it, because we can stand, we stand, we know we stand together as we look at such things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think this is a beauty of faces. It's a, people with different viewpoints coming together to challenge things together, and and especially tough areas uh, like ch- child sexual exploitation, and and speak into difficult things like this. So th- thank you both. Um, we just recognise this is a developing story. We recognise that there will be elements probably over the next few months, especially in the next 30 days, that may clarify things a bit more or may not. Um, but even so, we can learn from these things and actually shape our responses as well. So thank you both. And, thank you, Nigel. Um, yeah, it's good to have a chat. Okay. <laughs>